Good morning. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and uh, thanks to Brad and the team for leading us in worship. We're blessed to have a uh, multi-talented staff. Brad's our exec pastor and also can lead worship. Matt and some others from the team have been with our students all weekend. A little bit more energy in their worship, I got to say. I think I had to give Matt some oxygen last night as he was jumping around leading them. But uh, uh, great to be together, great to worship together. And we've been focusing on how we see in our singing. You know, how, do, how do we see Jesus? You know, here at Community Church, uh, we are a community who sees and shares the hope of Jesus together. That's what we're about. And, um, you know, one of the ways we uh, want to share that hope is to meet our community where our community is. And right now, as we think about students, we think about our community, uh, we got lots of kids with lots of mental health challenges. It's just reality. And uh, we are partnering with some other churches in town. Let me say that again. We are partnering with some other churches in town. Some Baptists, no amens, okay. Some Lutherans, okay. Some Presbyterians, okay. Some non-denominational folks. And partnering with a uh, counseling and therapy clinic in town to host a half-day conference next Saturday. Targeted at how do we support people who interact with youth and mental health challenges. That's just the reality that we're in. This is a half-day deal. It's a baby step. We're going to have a keynote um, speaker, uh, a therapist named Joel Hutton, who's, you know, I've worked with him before, uh, both as, as a therapist of mine, and also uh, he has helped with some of our classes uh, in the past. And then we've got some breakout sessions that deal with, we've got a student panel We have one targeted for uh, parents and caregivers. We've got like crisis intervention. And then uh, Jess Holliday, our our very own uh, student pastor, she's going to be doing a session on mental health and technology. So as we look at the landscape of the challenges, this is a great opportunity for us if you interact with students or you know people who interact with students. Okay, great opportunity. It's next Saturday. It's free, 9 to 1230. Uh, and again, easy invite, easy opportunity. And, uh, you know, as we think about our students, I, I want to share just a little bit about one winter weekend. All right, if you, anybody see any kids walking around in pajamas or you see suitcases or something, all right, we've had, I don't know, around 120 students and adult leaders here the last couple days. And uh, they've been really focusing on their relationship with God and their relationship with one another. It's just been a really sweet time. Time to learn, time to worship, time to have fun, uh, time to connect. And uh, as you might imagine, they bring a lot into this place. There's a lot that kids bring into this place. And I'm so thankful, especially uh, for our adult leaders who've gone the extra mile, and even their families who've sacrificed, and uh, for, for Jess, just doing an amazing job 
leading them. But uh, I want to take a moment, and we're going to pray for them right now. How many of you have ever been to like a retreat, youth event, or something like that? Okay. And you're like on this emotional high. And then Monday comes. <laughs> and you got to get back to reality. All right? Let's pray for them as they, they take this and then see what the Lord uh, just continues to do through this. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can be here in this place. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you give us to love our community, to love our students. We thank you, Lord, that they, they've come here over the last few days, that they've come to learn, that they've come to worship, that they've, they've come to connect. And Lord, you are always working. You're working through hard things. You're working through all types of challenges, Lord. We pray for Jess and the team as they, as they finish strong. Give them what they need, even in these last moments this morning. And Lord, we pray for these students that as they leave, this won't just be an emotional high, but it will be a pivotal experience in their lives where they see you a little bit more clearly, that they experience a little bit more of what true community is about. And Lord, they're going to wake up tomorrow morning and they're going to go to school and they're going to face all kinds of uh, attacks, attacks of the enemy that would say, ah, that wasn't real, that wasn't true, perhaps attacks from friends and, and even family who would say, what's this whole Jesus thing about? But Lord, would you go before them today, tomorrow, this week, draw them nearer to you, nearer to each other, and remind them how much you love them. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's continue to pray for these kids. It's the next generation of the church. Well, uh, I got a confession to make. I'm still thinking about the Super Bowl. I'm still thinking about the Super Bowl. Not so much the game, although it was a really good game. How many of you saw the Super Bowl? Here's what I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about some of the commercials. In particular, there were a couple commercials around the He Gets Us campaign. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A lot of you do, okay? Where they had some really provocative images of um, people washing feet and some other things. But here's what really sticks in my mind, okay? And it was interesting... Um, an opportunity to go to a conference a few years ago when the folks who were organizing that were just getting started and they were sharing a little bit about what they were about and how they wanted to um, challenge people to maybe think differently about Jesus and then to drive them into a further examination study of Jesus. That it wasn't even like pure evangelism, it's almost pre-evangelism to maybe clear away some other things and then get them to take a step. But what's What's been fascinating to me has been the response to those commercials. In case you haven't noticed, we have some political conflict in our country. Okay? It's been interesting because 
uh, this ad has taken it from all sides. All right, I've seen those, um, you know, on the, on the left say, well, you know, this is some fascist campaign fun, funded by far-right extremists. I've read that. I've seen critics from some on the right to say, oh, this is just some, uh, some woke thing that doesn't even really get at the true gospel. Okay? I've seen both of those. I've seen uh, people with um, uh, more of a kind of activist bent perhaps say, you know what, all the millions of dollars in that campaign, they should have taken it and fed the poor, done something more constructive with it. And then I've, said, you know, I've, I've, I've read podcast theologians who are like, well, you know, they really took some things out of context and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, okay? Now I'm going to tell you what I think and what's the truth. No, I'm not going to do that, okay? Because maybe, maybe there's a grain of truth in all those criticisms, uh, but here's, here's a couple things that I observed. One, people still care about Jesus. He still provokes reactions. He still makes people think. He's, and you can't quite put Jesus in a box. There's always more. And then when I, when I see these responses, it's almost like uh, if you took like psychology in school, uh, you know, like the, what, the Rorschach inkblot type things, you know, where it's, it's more a reflection of um, kind of your personality or whatever, and it can kind of be whatever you want it to be. And in some ways, as people have responded, it's a reflection of who we are, too, and what we might bring to our perspective of Jesus. But whatever you thought about those commercials, whatever you, however you see that, Jesus still matters. And my question is, how do we see Jesus? How do we respond to him? How do we respond to the real Jesus? Do we have an indifference? Yeah, whatever. Do we have a sense of complacency? Do we have confusion? Are we unconvinced? Or are we compelled by Jesus? Compelled. What's it mean to be compelled? If I'm compelled by something, I'm going to narrow my focus and I'm going to have energy behind me. I'm going to be compelled to see clearly and share. Do you have that vision of Jesus enough to actually share about him? And as Brad has already introduced this series, we're going to look at some of these opening impressions, these first impressions of Jesus. And try to get a fresh look at him. Try to really dig into his word and see, okay, what, what do we see about Jesus? We're going to take about five weeks prior to like Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter and look at a couple chapters in Luke's gospel. Take a close look at him. Because I, I believe we get these glimpses of him that in some ways they whet our appetite for more. 
So there's, perhaps there's a, a first impression that makes a greater impression that can actually change us. So I'm going to take us first of all to Jesus' baptism. I want, to, I want you to go to Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Luke 3, 21. And we're going to look at some impressions of Jesus through his baptism. Luke 3, 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. Let's make some observations. Again, we're, we're getting some glimpses of Jesus here. Let's make a few observations. First of all, Jesus, he's being baptized by John, John the Baptist, but it is a real place. It is a real place. I want you to consider that for a moment. This is, this is the Jordan River. This place exists on a map. It is a place full of significance. If you go back to the Old Testament and Moses, you know, leading the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, but not yet to the promised land. It is, it is the river Jordan that separates the wilderness from the promised land. It would be Joshua that would take the group across. But this is a real place on a real map. That seems obvious, but it's important. Secondly, there are real people. We're talking about real people here. These are not characters in a novel. They're, this isn't a made-up story. This is real stuff here. Real people. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus is baptized too. Imagine that scene for just a moment. I mean, like, tons of people being baptized. I think about little details, like the water, maybe not the cleanest, and all that represented, all the cleansing of sin, all that, that was being represented there, but Jesus is being baptized in the dirty water of the Jordan River with all of humanity. There is a real relationship that is present here. Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying to whom? To his heavenly Father. Jesus is without sin. He doesn't need to repent. He does not need to be cleansed. He's not separated from God. He is the Son of God. He is modeling for us but as he has this relationship with his heavenly father, he is also identifying with all of humanity. What a picture. What a picture right here. There is real revelation. We see the presence of the triune 
God. The supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. The supernatural presence of the Father through his voice. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And obviously we see Jesus right there. Anybody have the Trinity figured out perfectly? It breaks down all of our categories. It is, you can't put it in a box. We can, we can apprehend it. We can learn it. We can talk about one what and three who's, one essence, three persons. All right, it's one of our big seven things we hold tight to as a church. By the way, we've got a core beliefs class coming up. Great opportunity to insert that. Two weeks, next Sunday, the things that we hold tight to. Okay. Especially in this day and age, there's a, it matters what we hold tight to and what we're open-handed about. The nature of who Jesus is is not an open-handed deal. We're going to hold tight to that. But we see Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, why does, what does that even matter? What's that have to do with our kids down the hall? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Perfect community. We are Community Church of Greenwood. What's the basis? It's the very nature of God. Perfect relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Perfect love. Creation is an extension of that love. It's not a will to power. It's an extension of love. God wasn't lonely. Jesus didn't say, I need some people to be around me. I'm lonely. No, no, no. Perfect community. Creation itself is an act of love. So we see these things even in the glimpse of the baptism. Now let's look briefly at some first impressions of Jesus through his genealogy. Anybody like super interested in like Ancestry.com and 23, you know, all, all those like you're really interested in the family history stuff? Okay. The Bible cares about this stuff too. Luke 3.23, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought of Joseph, the son of Heli. Now, we got like 70 names coming up. I'm not going to read them all and give you an application for each person in the genealogy. We're not going to do that. But I want you to, to look at this for just a moment. What picture do we see of Jesus? He's 30 years old. He's a carpenter. Now, just stop for a second. Son of God, 30-year-old carpenter. Anybody work with their hands ever? Do carpentry. Menards, Lowe's, Home Depot, which is your favorite? No. I'm a Menards guy. I just, you know... I'm not, it's not a paid advertisement, but uh, way back in the day when I was, like in college, I used to frame. We didn't have like nail guns and those things back then. It was a 28-ounce S-wing hammer, driving nails through concrete, back when men were men, no. <laughs> now we got all kinds of fancy tools, right? 
Go all the way back to Jesus' day. They didn't have any of that. I mean, imagine just how tough you had to be to be a carpenter or a stonemason or whatever that looked like. Let's not forget that. Sometimes we see pictures of Jesus and it's hard to imagine him as he was a carpenter. He's strong. Now, he's the son, so it was thought, or he was considered to be the son of Joseph. Could there be anything more real than this? Now, genealogy people, I'm going to give you a little caveat here. If you look at Matthew, there's a, the genealogy is a little different. There are all kinds of theories about how to get into that. I'm not going to take the time to get into it today. If that's you and it bothers you or you, you've got a real interest, come talk to me and we'll, we'll talk about the theories of the genealogy. The clock's running. I don't have time this morning. Okay? There's a point to it, though. And as you think about this, though, imagine you're growing up in Nazareth. It's not a big town. Were there rumors about who Jesus' father was? Absolutely. Could there be anything more real, more human than that? Fully God, fully man. Let's grasp that. Let's really consider what that had to be for him. One of the things we do want to emphasize, though, is you look at verse 38, it goes all the way back to the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Luke will trace the ancestry all the way back. And the commentators tend to say, you know, that this focuses on Jesus' connection with all of humanity, not just the Israelites, but all of humanity. Now, let's flash back for a moment. And let's, let's examine this tension between Jesus' identity as the Son of God and as the Son of Man, Son of Joseph and Mary. I love this story when Jesus was 12. It's in the preceding verses, and the family has left um, Nazareth, and they've, they've gone to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Okay, if you're new to the Bible... Passover, big-time Jewish religious festival where they remembered, okay, uh, the Passover when God rescued the people out of slavery, and there was the Passover lamb that they put the blood on the doorframe so that the angel of death would pass over and they would be saved and they would eventually leave Egypt. But as Jesus is with his family and not, not just the nuclear family, but his whole household. And uh, as they're leaving Jerusalem, they say, where's Jesus? He's 12 and we've left him. But then where do they, where do they find him? Luke 2, 47. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus is in the temple, and he's, he's holding court as a 12-year-old 
in the temple with the great theologians there. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Have you ever lost a kid if you're a parent? That's terrifying. You think you've lost. But see the tension. Fully God. Coming into that understanding, perhaps, we don't know exactly what that is. But it boggles my mind to think about Jesus being fully God and growing in wisdom and stature. And it wasn't like he was running around with a halo over his head and everybody said, well, there's the Son of God. He's in a real place, real people, real rumors that in no way denigrates our view of Jesus. Fully God, fully human. Now let's flash forward. Take it Matthew 13. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? It's not like he came out of seminary. It's not like he came out. I mean, he was a carpenter. And now he's teaching these amazing things. I love the tension here. Fully God, fully man. Let me take you to one more place. Take you to John 8, verse 38. Jesus is in debate with the religious leaders. And he says this, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. What Jesus is saying is, Here's your father. Your father's the devil. Those are strong words. Abraham is our father, they answered. If, if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. Now hear their response. We are not illegitimate children they protested the only father we have is God himself you see the dig here Jesus said to them if God were your father you would love me for I have come here from God I have not come on my own God sent me why is my language not clear to you because you are unable to hear what I say and then the end of this, verse 58. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple 
grounds. I am. Jesus is looking all the way back. When God revealed himself to Moses, Moses, what, what should I call you? I am who I am, Yahweh. That's why they pick up the stones to stone him. Because Jesus is making extraordinary claims about who he is. Now, I want you to be intrigued. I want you to have questions about who Jesus is. Questions in the sense of, I want to know more. Fully God, fully man, how do I put this all together? And then what is the impression that it leaves on us? What difference does it make? I want to suggest this to us. I want to give us a bottom line that the real person of Jesus is always available to work with us to build his kingdom together. Let me break that down for just a moment. The real person of Jesus, the real biblical person of Jesus. Can we know the identity of Jesus? Yes, yes, and yes. How? Through his word. Fully God, fully man. Not 50-50, 100% God, 100% man. That makes your brain hurt. Mine too. It's beyond what we can fully grasp. But if that's true, then he is always available. Always available. The idea of Jesus might inspire The teachings of Jesus might be a guide, but it's the person, the real person of Jesus who is available always to work with us. Now, he's available, always available to work with us. Now, where does that work start? It starts with Jesus' love for us. That starts with the gospel. That starts with Jesus loves us so much that he went to the cross to die for us. We didn't earn that. We didn't initiate that. It's not a cooperation with him that gets us saved. We come empty-handed. It's, it's all grace. It's all Jesus that saves us. When we put our faith and trust in him, that's the deal. If you've never done that, Let's talk. Today's your day. And he is always working with us. The more that I can see who Jesus is, the more I can understand that he gets us, he understands, he knows what we're going through, he's been through what we've been through, and he is available to work with us. To do what? To build his kingdom. To build his kingdom. I love taking care of people. I love taking care of families. I love taking care of my kids. And it's bigger than that too. He's building a whole new kingdom. That is forever. Now. What does that work look like? 
What does that work look like? I'm going to give you just a, I felt led to be like super concrete with a challenge. Are you ready? I hope you're ready. I'm going to give it to you whether you're ready or not. All right? Here's the challenge. Okay, here's the work. We've got real calendars. We're real people in a real place. We have real people that we know and love who don't follow Jesus. Maybe they're somewhere in that deconstructing process. I don't know. They're not regularly in church, but they're somewhere not on the inside. And they need us. They need us to do the work that God has called us to do. So here's the challenge between now and Easter. Easter comes early this year. It's coming quick. Here's the challenge. Read through one of the Gospels with someone else you care about who is not a follower of Jesus or connected to a church. Here's the challenge. Read together with somebody. Now, you can make the call on what that actually looks like for you, how you talk about it. But if people still care about Jesus, they still have reactions to Jesus, What's the best way to really get to see Jesus? It's not through my 30-second explanation. It's through actually sitting down and reading the Word of God together. I could get an amen on that. Maybe not. You're still thinking about it. Now, let me give you three, three steps to consider here. The first is to pray. God, who's that person? I got like three people in mind for me. I got one that's kind of walked away from church a little bit. I'm not sure where he's at. I've got another one I haven't seen in ages. And I've got another one that's like a long shot. I'm praying through this week. Lord, who's that, one? Who's that person? You could do more than one. That'd be okay. Prepare. Prepare. Maybe it's, maybe it's reading, it's some of that, but it might even be, you know what? It's just kind of weird to just come out, out of the blue and say, hey, would you read one of the Gospels with me? Maybe i gotta do, I got to prepare the relationship a little bit. All right? Now, if you really love somebody and you believe this stuff is true and you don't share How loving is that? These kids are inviting their their friends. I was asking one of the kids, what's the biggest challenge about being a high school? Peer pressure. I don't think we ever get out of that. What's the worst that could happen? No, thank you. I don't want to do that. When we look at the history of the church and all people have been through, I wouldn't call that persecution. Prioritize. You may have to adjust your schedule. I may have to adjust my schedule. What's that look like? So that's the challenge. This is not a one-week-only deal. I'm going to come back and remind you of this. We'll work through it. But take the challenge. All right, let me pray. Father, we thank you for 
your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. Fully God, fully man, help us to see you, Jesus, more clearly so we can be compelled, compelled to do something for your kingdom. Give us what we need to do that, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.